what it's about. It's God loving us, searching us out with that love. I don't want to go through, boy, there's a bunch of announcements and a busy week. Just keep in mind that mills start back up again this Wednesday. And we'll finish up a video stories on a series on pride and how to be humble before the Lord. And um, then on Friday, I, I believe it is, you'll see in there, there's a movie as youth uh, are going to be showing in order to help with money to provide for um, one of the students in Belize that they support. Check that out. And, and of course, we've got the picnic coming up on Sunday. And in that morning service, we get the joy of uh, witnessing uh, Hannah's baptism. So, you know, a lot to be thankful for. Uh her desire to follow the Lord. And so we are in Genesis 19 this morning. I encourage you when you find that, first 14 verses, to stand in our God's honor as I read from the Scriptures. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, he said... Please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. No, they answered, we will spend the night in the square. But he insisted so strongly, they did go with him and entered his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called a lot. Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and said, No, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who've never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you and you can do what you like with them. But don't do anything to these men for they've come under the protection of my roof. Get out of our way, they replied. And they said, This fellow came here as an alien and now he wants to play the judge. Will treat you worse than them. They kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. But the men inside reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness so they could not find the door. The two men said to Lot, Do you have anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here because we are going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against its people is so great. He sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were pledged to marry his daughters. He said, hurry, get out of this place because the Lord's about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-laws thought he was joking. Let's pray. Father, I'm broken over Father your word being so clear um, Father judgment was about to fall on that place Lord it's nothing to be happy about nothing to rejoice over Lord and Father as we take time to look at a section of your word that a lot of people would like to remove in this day, take out, or try to um, rationalize, but 
Father, we just read for ourselves your word. We pray you speak through the weakness of my words by the power of your spirit. May we hear what you want us to hear, not simply what I say. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, you're not going to hear this section of scripture anywhere else. Except among God's people. It's not very popular. Um, And yet, our accountability is to God uh, above all else. And I believe when it talks about God's judgment, like I said, it's nothing to rejoice in or be happy over. It should break our hearts that the gospel needs to go out. The gospel needs to be made known and that people might see that God is a holy God who has provided a way out. Um, In the scriptures, we're told that the word of God's living and active and that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. That it literally judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. In other words, we need to be people of the book so we can learn God's heart and his mind and that he can begin to change us according to what he shows us and what he reveals to us. And that needs to be where our thinking is developed and where our convictions in our heart are made. And this morning, uh, what a just a horrific section of scripture that you look at. It's really talking about Pollution and contamination in our relationships. Just like you have toxins in the air that causes air pollution and air contamination. We have to be aware of the fact that our lives, who we are, where we live, what we do, can be contaminated or it can be pure before God. And the scriptures tell us that God is holy. And so we too are called to be holy and to be set apart for him. As you look through the scriptures in Joshua 23, as God is speaking through his servant Joshua, and he says to the people, you know, um, you are to be set apart in your relationships and you're not to intermarry with the other nations and the other people because your hearts will be turned away from God. And then, of course, we read about that guy that, was so wise, King Solomon, the wisest of all. And yet we read that his heart was turned away through uh, the many marriages that uh, was a part of his life. And and, and so we're, we're to guard the heart. And Proverbs twenty nineteen tells us, a gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid a man who talks too much. You see, if we gossip all the time, What happens? We become gossips. It's who we become. Um, If you're around people who are angry all the time, before you know it, you become an angry person. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. It does matter where we hang out. Turn me to, I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5 a section of scripture um, talks about a very difficult situation in the church 
situation um, that could not be overlooked because it hurt the reputation and the heart of the church. And, and I don't even want to spend a lot of time getting in, into that particular situation. But I want to drop down to verse 9 through 11 where he gives this insight into how important it is to be clean before God. He says, I, I've written you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you'd have to leave this world. What's it saying? He says, I'm not saying don't talk to anybody who does these things. Because in that case, we'd have to leave this world because they're everywhere. They're everywhere we turn. We, we don't know what's going on in the lives of those who are around us. Um, it's, guys, it's very disturbing if you ever look on these sex offender lists to see how many there are, even in Bristol and in our area. But look what he says here, um, verse 11. He says, but now I'm writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother who is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler with such a man to not even eat. What is he saying? He's saying the people who profess Christ, who are part of his people and of his church, we're to be holy. We're not to play games. We're not to treat God like he's just somebody that we talk to on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night or whenever we gather for a Bible study and then we leave and he doesn't matter. We can live any way we want and hang out with anybody. No! We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ and we are called to be set apart. You see, he's not talking about those outside of Christ who are living apart from Christ. We're to love them. We're to bring them to Christ. But those of us who are in the body of Christ, who have been baptized, who have received Christ, it's serious business to walk with God. And God knows our hearts. He knows where we are. 2 Corinthians chapter. Six, you know, it talks about do not be unequally yoked. Do not be in these partnerships of believers and unbelievers. Those closest relationships to us, God wants them to be right with Him. Right with Him. You see, immorality can be like sewage in a cesspool that can deteriorate people. We find a lot. He's in Sodom. God has come to this point where he's about to bring judgment upon these people. And they're totally close to God. Their hearts are calloused in their sin. I love that. Got up on the screen there. I thought, man, I have to think about that a while. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. That's within the heart of these people. And I just want to march down... Um, through the text here and look at it. As, as it starts out here, we see that these two angels arrive in Sodom in the evening. Here's Lot sitting at the gateway of the city, which indicates he's a type of leader in Sodom. He has influence within the community in some degree. When he saw them, he got up to meet them, as the custom was, bowed down with his face to the ground. He said to them, my lords, (laughs) 
Please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet, spend the night, and then go on your way early in the morning. He said, why don't you guys come to my house? We want to treat you with hospitality. Maybe we'll cook some biscuits. Have some beans. I don't know. but Anyway, hospitality. But notice what they said. No, they answered. We'll spend the night in the square. Lot was horrified. Look at his answer. He insisted so strongly. They did not go with him and enter his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. Why did he do that? Because he knew the hearts of the people of that city. We're talking about these people who were sexual predators. Who are not interested in the welfare of people and, and, and none of this. Well, you know, everybody just loves everybody. No. These are people who are sexual predators. And, and Lot knew it. And he knew, he didn't know these were angels. He knew that these men's lives were at risk of some horrible crime to be committed against them. So he said, come with me. In his mind, he's thinking where they'll be safe. Verse 4 before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the city. Man, it doesn't matter what age, young, old, man, they surrounded the city. It shows how far that city had gone into this perverted, twisted way of thinking. And... They called out to him, where, where are these men who are with you tonight? Bring them out. And the purposes they had were vile purposes. Did you see what the text says? Oh, Lot went outside. He wanted to stop this. No, my friends, verse 6, don't do this wicked thing. Look, I, I have two daughters who've never been with a man. Let, let me bring them out to you. And you, you do what you like with them. Come under the protection of my roof. Man, I look at that. That's wrong. This whole thing is twisted. This whole thing is is wrong. As you look at this text and you look at this scripture, and, and I, I kept trying, I said, well, what's everybody else have to say about this? This is crazy. This can't why would Lot do this? Why would he make this suggestion? The, the one thing I heard that um I'm not saying this is right, made any sense at all, was he knew how twisted they were, that they weren't interested in his daughters. I don't care. It's all wrong. It's 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 that place of, of of sin and there's no boundaries and the everything's falling apart to the point where God knows their hearts where judgment's right around the corner oh and they push it lot and they fight with lot and 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 they try to force their way into the house look at verse 9 he says get out of our way they replied and they said this fellow came here as an alien. Now he, he wants to play the judge. We'll, we'll treat you worse than them. He's so judgmental. Well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> they kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. So here's Lot. He's, he's desperate to try to, to keep his fellow citizens, his neighbors, out of his own house. Whew. Verse 10. The men inside reached out. Pulled Lot back into the house. Shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house. Young and old. 
with blindness so they could not find the door. What a scene. They couldn't see. They're stumbling around. They're, they're, they're frantically trying to find their way and they can't. They're frantically trying to find their way. Oh, and then the angels speak to Lot. They say, uh, anyone else here? Uh, Sons-in-law, sons, daughters, anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here. Look, boy, this because we are going to destroy this place. Man, the outcry to the Lord against its people is so great. He has sent us to destroy it. Man. Here's, here's a lot. All of a sudden, he, he, he sees what's about to happen. The judgment that is coming. You better round up your family because God has finally decided that he is going to judge this place. That he is going to destroy this place. And there will be no escape. So you better round up the people to get them out. Your people. Verse 14 is so tragic to me. Look at this. It says, So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were pledged to marry his daughter. He said, Hurry and get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law... Thought he was joking. You've heard those people joke about hell. I'm going to go down there and be with my friends. We're going to have a big party down there. We're going to get drunk just like we do up here. It's nothing to joke about. We will die. We will face our God. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to the glory of God that Jesus Christ is Lord. It bothers me as I look at this and I think, did Lot ever talk to these guys who were going to marry his daughters about God? It's, it's, it's like there's no awareness, no connection to Lot's beliefs to these guys. They thought he was joking. But it certainly was no joking matter. And our faith is not to be a joking matter. Alexander White, a Puritan preacher of old, on this text wrote to, Think fathers, think mothers, think young men of what's at stake. Count the cost. Take that line of work you're about to choose. Look around it. Look at its dangers and companionships. Here's Lot in this place that he's brought his family into. That's a godless place and his daughters are about to enter into marriages of of men who do not love the Lord and know the Lord and are living apart from the Lord. Man. One commentator said, uh, use this example. He said, "If, if you put white kid gloves on a rainy day and you play in the mud, the mud never gets glovey. But the gloves get muddy. The mud never gets glovey, but the gloves get muddy. That's contamination that impacts us. That impacted Lot and his family. Now, as I go through the scripture, and as I kind of close this thing out, I just want to look at some points of convictions 
God calls us as his people to form convictions that come when we pray and we spend time with him and we allow him to impact our thinking through the scriptures that we're in tune with his thinking and, and suddenly these convictions these inner principles that give us integrity and morality and ethics and faith develop in our hearts as we follow god as we show that their guts that come out of these inner principles that are inside proverbs 20 verse 7 in the amplified says the righteous man walks in his integrity blessed happy Fortunate, enviable are his children after him. What a treasure for a person to walk with a living God and his family has that. That is an immeasurable treasure. Not to play church, but to love Jesus. Not to be part of a religious organization, but to be in a relationship with a living God who died on the cross for them. Look with me. I want to look at Second Peter chapter two that mentions Lot. Second um, Peter chapter two, and he begins talking about um, the judgment that came forth at, at Sodom. And he, let's jump down here at verse six. It says, uh, talking about God, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them example of what's going to happen to the ungodly. If he rescued Lot, a righteous man, who was distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men. Here we learn about Lot. What was going on in Lot's life? You know, I've heard a lot of, you know, you hear a lot of stuff about, you know, Lot backslid. It's interesting here, though, in this text, he's called a righteous man. And he lived among them day after day. <laughs> and he was distressed by their filthy lives of lawless men who lived as if God doesn't exist. And, and notice in the text, uh, it, it says the right, this righteous man living among them day after day was tormented. He was tormented by these lawless deeds and yet he was there yet he chose to be there and there was a high price that was there in his distress Um, what about our convictions as I kind of come wrapping this thing up um, a couple of principles here convictions must be clearly established before God or they will be twisted and weakened among people you know, it's one thing to talk about convictions in church. It's something else to talk about convictions in other places where people don't agree with the convictions. Some of the most godless places I know of today are universities where kids go to learn. Um, there are many places that are places of influence where God is absent. So you need to know what you believe before you go to these places, before you face these places. I remember the school I went to, um, it's Marceau University, now these little colleges have become universities for whatever, I guess it grew a little bit. And I remember one of the teachers in there, and for some reason I became a target. I think it was just 
because I believe the Bible. And uh, there were other people I knew that didn't survive. And I'm not saying I was so great. I certainly had some doubts going on in my head. And this guy certainly seemed to know a lot more than I thought I did. But those beliefs, God kept me close to those beliefs. Spending a lot of time in the book, God got a hold of my heart. It's important to do that. Get that worked out now before God, before you're faced out of a place where there is this peer pressure to conform. And then you find out, do I have real convictions? Uh, next, convictions must be confirmed and modeled in the home or they'll be compromised on the street. Um guess it's a challenge to you and to me. Do you follow Jesus? Now, I'm not going to hire a private investigator and send them out to see what you're doing at home or anything like that. But, you, but I don't really have to because guess what? You can't hide from God. He sees us. One of the scariest verses to me. You know, I just quoted... Um, from Hebrews 4.12. It's Hebrews 4.13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is open and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Wow. God sees. God sees. Um, and then convictions must mean everything to us personally or they'll mean nothing to us under pressure. You see, until it's really something we come to grips with that we'll die for, it's probably not something we'll live for. You see, we live in an age that lives for the moment. We don't want to talk about dying. We don't want to talk about eternity. But the truth of the matter is, as someone has said, like on the tombstone, our lives are that little hyphen in the middle of the dates, birth date, death date. But eternity goes far past the hyphen, which is our lives. Now let me bring this back around. Um, you know, we look at this incredible situation of these sexual predators. And we say, boy, those are terrible people, aren't they, preacher? Well, I think we ought to be against them. They're terrible. But just like this is up here, we sin because we're sinners. And we need to have convictions and we need to cry out to God. God, keep me clean. May I be careful to stay close to you. Otherwise, I'm going to go where I never intended to go. And I'm going to lose influence and I'm going to hurt other people and I'm going to hurt myself. God, keep me near. That's what this is about too. It's not just go after those sinners. God, get a hold of me. That you might work in me, Lord. I want to close with a thing. Let me just say this to you. Tonight, in kind of conjunction with this, I want to look at Second Chronicles 29. that talks about how do you prepare for revival? And it's a look at not looking out there, but looking in here. And so I encourage you to be a part of that. Okay, commercial done. I want to close with this thing. It's from Randy Alcorn. I've shared it a couple of times over the years. But I think it's really powerful. And what he does is he started thinking about, you know, he's, he says, I'm a normal guy. I really like women. Whew, boy, do I. And he said, but you know, I got to thinking, if I ever have a sexual fall, what will it cost me? And so he made a list. I think it's worthwhile. And I want to share with you Randy's list. He says, 
When I feel particularly vulnerable to sexual temptation, I find it helpful to review what effects the actions may have. First, grieving the Lord who redeemed me. Dragging his sacred name into the mud. One day having to look Jesus, the righteous judge, in the face and give him an account of my actions. Following in the footsteps of these people whose immorality forfeited their ministries and caused me to shudder. Inflicting untold hurt on my best friend and loyal wife, Nancy. Hurting my beloved daughters, Karina and Angie. Destroying my example and credibility with my children. And nullifying both present and future efforts to teach them to obey God. Why listen to a man who betrayed mom and us? Wow. If my blindness should continue or my wife be unable to forgive, perhaps losing my wife and my children forever. Losing self-respect. Causing shame to my family. Why isn't daddy a pastor anymore? Creating a form of guilt awkwardly hard to shake. Even though God would forgive me, would I ever forgive myself? Forming memories and flashbacks that could plague future intimacy with my wife. Wasting years of ministry training and experience for a long time, maybe permanently. Forfeiting the effects of years of witnessing to my father and reinforcing his distrust for ministers that's only begun to soften by my example that would harden, perhaps permanently, because of my immorality. Undermining the faithful example and hard work of other Christians in our community. Bringing great pleasure to Satan, the enemy of God, and all that is good. Heaping judgment and endless difficulty on the person with whom I committed adultery. Possibly bearing the physical consequences of such diseases. And he just lists a whole bunch of sexual transmitted diseases. And he says, perhaps even infecting my precious wife. Possibly causing pregnancy with the personal and financial implications, including a lifelong reminder of my sin. Bringing shame and hurt to these fellow pastors and elders. Causing shame and hurt to friends, especially those that I've impacted for Christ. Invoking shame and lifelong embarrassment upon myself. Wow. Think about it. Next time you're tempted, what would it cost? Let's pray. Lord, Thank you for your word. I do not enjoy, Father, looking at sections of your word. It talks about judgment, God. It really upsets me, brings me to tears. We live in an age, Father, that wants to get rid of judgment. Deny there's a hell. I don't like any of it. But there's a reason you died on the cross. There's a reason I need forgiveness. There's a reason we're here. And it's not so we can look good. Father, I pray this morning we have an altar. Maybe some folks need to come to this altar and pray. Maybe you are leading them there. Maybe there's someone here who's not trusted Jesus for that first time and found the forgiveness that is unconditional and a deep well of living water that never runs dry. May this be the morning to say, forgive me of my sin, dear Master, and enter my heart, that I may follow you. 
Maybe there's someone here and there's just something that they're involved in that is destructive. And you've been dealing with them and it's time to stop. I pray, Father, you'd grab a hold of hearts and may we just be open to the movement of your Holy Spirit. We can be so self-centered and selfish and forget, Father, that um, there's a price for that. As we look at this, Father, where you have a a place, Sodom, where nobody cared about what was right and, and their thinking got so twisted and perverted that they all showed up for evil. God, get a hold of us, Lord. Do a work in your church. Christ's name we pray. Amen.